What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This has been the most tense podcast I have ever done. Kevin Sherrington. You were working on typewriters this time. Barry Horn. I don't even know who you are anymore. Where were you last week? Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about colleges. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the college Ballsy with a Z podcast. I'm Evan Grant, along with Kevin Sherrington, who is back in studio after his long slop on the hogs winter break. And That's a fall Gary break, Horn. not a winter break. And we are joined by our favorite college guest, Tim Brando, from the hotbed of college athletics, Cincinnati, where he's going to do a basketball game tonight. Xavier and Baylor. Tim, how are you? We're not going to talk about this basketball game, though. No, I understand. No, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> it is that time of the year. I'm great. I am uh, I am happy to be, as they say, busy, but at this time of the year when sports begin to cross over, we, uh, we're we kind of on the road a lot. So this is the beginning of a little nine-day road trip for me. Good to be with you. And you're going to get to uh... – Evan, I think we should, we should introduce Tim as not just a guest. He's a friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Yeah, FOP. Yeah. There we go. He's a friend of the podcast. Yeah. Tim is a friend of the yeah. podcast. He's a friend of us personally. Uh, and and Tim, um, who is always very shy about his opinions, let's. Uh, uh, we've got a docket of things to get into with you right here. Um, as we talk, the the, la- the final CFP before the uh, before the actual playoff field is set will come out Tuesday night. Uh, I, I think the question that. Um, uh, that kind of resonates with people here is is the winner of the Big 12 in or is only Oklahoma in if they win? Only Oklahoma. Only Oklahoma. I, I'd like to think that TCU uh, would get a chance, but no, I don't think so, given the fact that Alabama's sitting there with one loss and you saw what the AP did with them. Uh, where the, they they had a precipitous fall from number one to number five. Right. They'll never drop more than four spots. And I don't think that they will drop uh, any further than that with the college football playoff committee either. If, if... Uh, and, and I actually I actually think this is great news for those of us that want to exact change. And, Evan, you know how I feel about exacting change with college football. It was a great first step to get to four, but we wouldn't have gotten to four had it not been for the godforsaken DCS giving us LSU-Alabama in a rematch in 2011. And the committee is going to be in a real spot, a real pickle, if either Oklahoma or Wisconsin lose. And if both of them lose, now you got real problems on your hands. And the likelihood of two teams from a really poor SEC by Southeastern Conference standards getting in this year, and all that money going to that league this year is going to be a real problem for the uh, uh, the consortium of the Power Five. And they will have meetings sooner than you can say Bill Hancock as soon as that's over. And um, they'll be going to six teams very, very quickly. So uh, I think that that's really what's, what we're looking at right now. And um, 
Alabama's brand is just too large. It's too big. you got a lot of old coaches on that committee that love the way Alabama plays, feel that football should be played a certain way, and, um, and TCU and, uh, doesn't play that way. And as a result, I think it's either Oklahoma because of their brand or Buck for the Big 12. Tim, is it that TCU doesn't play that way, or is it because TCU is not named Texas? Part of it. You're, you're, you're on to it. Um, I don't think that if Texas or Oklahoma had been sitting in the third spot in 2014, we would have seen one of those teams drop from number three to number six, and Ohio State slide in at four on the basis of a blowout win over an outmanned Wisconsin team. I don't think that would have happened at all if that had been Oklahoma or Texas. Either one of those two teams had been in that position. All right, Tim. I don't think Oklahoma, I don't think Oklahoma State would have lost their slot in the BCS in 2011 because of a poor outing after a plane crash to Alabama. Had that been either Texas or Oklahoma, either. Tim, let, let, let me let's go down some of the uh, conference championship games, and uh, you tell me if the winner gets into the uh, CFP. Clemson, okay. Mi- Clemson, Miami. If Clemson wins, are they automatic? You think they're in? Yes. If Miami wins. Yes. Okay. Wisconsin, Ohio State, the winner of that game in no matter which school? Very close. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say Ohio State could be edged out by Alabama, uh, uh, potentially, um, for the same reasons that, that, that Penn State was nudged out by Ohio State last year. See, there's precedent there. See, that's a little bit of a trick, tricky one because they say that the, the championship is the top you know it's the first criteria mentioned you know in the final standing so they use that whichever way they want they used it to Ohio State's benefit in 2014 and they they used it to the detriment of Penn State last year so that that makes it a little iffy Wisconsin for sure Ohio State I would say has a good chance not a great chance certainly a better chance than TCU I think we can uh, listen. I want to. I want to bring all you guys in on this, and I, but I think we can cut to the chase a little bit. I think, as Tim just said, the ACC champ is in. The SEC champ is going to be in. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma is in if they win. Wisconsin right. is in if they win. So now you're sitting right. there with Alabama on the outside. Alabama's first team in if Oklahoma or Wisconsin loses. If both teams, lo- if both teams yeah. lose. Ohio State then becomes becomes in. Yeah. Right. So, so here's the thing. Fellas. It's a 16 field right now for me. Yeah. If we had six teams right now, it would be fine. We could give the, the top teams a bye. Uh, they wouldn't have to play uh, additional games. But but we would have six, six teams in. And, and to me, at minimum, that's what we ought to have. Uh, you know, our, others will argue eight, but I would suggest that if you made it uh, six teams, and you were allowing the regular season to give the teams, the top teams, a bye, then we're not losing the impact of regular season games. So by adding two more, we wouldn't have a problem. But to the point you're making, um, and, and listen, Evan, I, I, I agree with you. If you're looking at the circumstances that face this committee this year, all right, uh, the, the, the problem they face is that the brand name for them, in my view, matters because they're the only way Ohio State slips in over Alabama, and it could happen, is because this committee and the presidents of the universities are so driven to keep it at four. They don't want to expand. 
if by passing over Alabama for Ohio State, you're trading brand for brand, and Ohio State has won a title, then they'll use that criteria to their benefit. You'll see Kirby Hocutt march out there and be visited by Reese Davis following the championship weekend saying, well, you know, that championship really meant a lot to our committee. Well, what the hell? Why didn't the championship mean a lot to the committee last year in the Big Ten? Okay, so, you know, they, they will use whatever argument they want to gerrymander it so that they can keep us from going from four to six. But, but doesn't but by all rights, Alabama should get that. They should get entry over Ohio State. But would, would, really wouldn't should. another game mean, two more games mean more money? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, of course. More money to, to yes. for payouts to coaches who are who are, there, who are being fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kevin, and, what? Uh, <laughs> Kevin, what say you? I mean, because you have you have been steadfast all year in. There's no way Alabama will be on the outside looking in. Uh, you know, I have a hard time with all this now because <clears throat> because of that, I don't think they would leave Alabama out, just for all the reasons that Tim mentioned. Um, and, uh, and I also have a hard time leaving Auburn out. If, if you know, they beat, a- they beat Alabama pretty handily, and I know that was uh, at Auburn. But still, the, they, they really showed Alabama's weaknesses. You know, if you get Jalen Hurts down a couple of touchdowns, he, he can't bring you back, you know. That that uh, that offense is built much like the Cowboys around uh, what they would like to think is their running game, and and then of course the Cowboys don't have the same kind of defense that Alabama has. Probably don't even if you line them up right now they wouldn't be as good. But um, they 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 can't play catch up. So uh, so they got them down, and that was and the game was pretty much over. But if it's, Auburn loses this Saturday, they're out. Well, if Auburn loses, the they're out. they're out. Absolutely, they're out. But that's 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 my point. Is that how can you? How can the committee? You know, if if it comes to that, if Auburn wins the SEC, how could they possibly put Alabama in over Auburn? They won't. They won't. They won't. And they won't. And, and that they will. And you can. And I mean, you you'll have the case here that Auburn will have beaten their number one team right twice in a three week span, um, and, and and the third win. Third of those four wins will have been over what probably will be the number five team or number six team today. Right. So, um, I, 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 if all, that's why the SEC game is a play-in game, the ACC game is a play-in game. The rest, you know, they have their berths, right. providing they win. If they don't, that's where I think Alabama and Ohio, and and maybe if Alabama and Ohio State both sit on the outside looking in this year, maybe that is as Tim says the the driver. For a sixteen playoff, Mister Mister Anarchy. Well, and if you go well, and if you go to six teams too, what you can do is then then you just take the uh, the Power Five, the, the conference championships, and one more. Correct. You know, and then you take you take it you take five the power the five Power Five conference champions plus an at large team. The at large team being either the SEC runner, somebody from the team from the SEC, or the Big Ten, or Notre Dame. Or Notre, Notre Dame, Dame. And, yeah. that, and that's that's pretty much. Yeah, that leaves you. I mean, to me, that leaves you enough cushion to get one more, get one more in. But it takes a lot of the argument well, out of the of the, of the whole uh, thing. Well, well I will yeah, say this: I think the argument's been great. It, it completely, re, it, it completely defeats the conference championship argument until, of course, somebody gets to the, a conference championship game with like an eight and four record and upset somebody. Right. But yeah. But that would, I think, by and large, take out the idea of the conference championship. Um, Tim, you know, I wanted to switch topics just for a second before we get to the Texas A&M thing, which is still, I think, evolving. You you occasionally weigh in on 
poorly run athletic departments. <laughs> um, and I know that usually you're, you you like to talk about LSU, but I, I think this week Tennessee has said, hold my Jack Daniels. Um, what in a holy hell has gone on in Knoxville in the state of Tennessee? Lack of leadership. It's that simple. You know, it's, it's almost as if um, you, you ever seen one of these stories in corporations where something happens and you hear about a person that lost their job and, you know, management doesn't want to tell them why they lost their job. So they just say, well, you need to call human resources, <laughs> you know, call, call human resources and let them let them explain it to you. Uh, clearly, there there's a. There's a problem not only in management but in human resources uh, at Tennessee, and I, I cannot imagine why uh, their athletic director still has a job. I mean, I, I just can't imagine how he would have a job. Uh, no backbone, zero spine. Uh, he completely vets and has this guy ready to go. Now, we can argue whether Greg Chiano was the right guy, right? Uh, and, and I would have a good debate with you about that. Uh, I wouldn't say that he was just a um, – a, a lock to be a quality head coach and successful head coach at Tennessee. Now, I know Greg, and I like Greg. I certainly respect what he did at Rutgers. But the defamation of his character over the last 48 to 72 hours is unlike anything that I've ever seen. And Tennessee is completely responsible for it. And we don't know if any of what is being alleged by the parties involved that staged a mob scene uh, on the campus and on the internet and uh, around sports radio in and around Knoxville. Uh, I've got, and I'm, Evan, I know you know him, and, and guys, uh, Barry and Kevin, you may know uh, Jimmy Himes as well. I don't know of a more honest uh, journalist and, and, and good guy than, than Jimmy. He's been in Knoxville for a long time, wrote for the paper there, and then as they were beginning to have their layoffs, he wanted to, to do some radio, and he still writes some and does blogs. I could not believe my eyes and ears when I was hearing all of this going down. He can't either. Uh, and he knows a lot of the people involved. It's, it's just bizarre, absolutely bizarre, that, that uh, Chiano would have been basically uh, already given a verbal agreement, uh, that the, the papers are being drawn up, and then all of a sudden Clay Travis goes on some crusade on, on the Internet uh, and, uh, and then all of a sudden, here come uh, the local radio guys just spewing obscenities uh, all over the place on their Internet site about how this shouldn't happen. And they made it basically a, uh, a political issue, too. They sort of poured what the, what's going on in our country from a political point of view into it. You're either for us or against this thing. And anybody that said anything to... To defend Greg Schiano was a bleeding heart liberal, <laughs> and uh, anybody that knows my timeline understands that I'm certainly not a bleeding heart liberal. It makes no sense what's going on. Kevin, and it's proof positive. It's proof positive that w- what we're seeing today in intercollegiate athletics is a total lack of leadership, and in addition to that, uh, a waste of of money beyond the kind of the comprehension any of us thought at places that are having money funneled into it from the networks that I've worked for and do work for now, and they don't know how to operate 
or govern with the cash cow that they've been given. You know, this, Tim, I, I agree with you. hundred. When, when the, it was announced that Shiana was getting the job, my first thought was, wow, this was the best that Tennessee could do. Because I think, yeah. I think that Shiano's a good coach. But, what, but doing what he did, there's a difference between taking a, a pretty lowly program like Rutgers and making it competitive and, and being at a school and taking it to the next level of a, of a, of a yeah, championship yeah. level. Those, those are two different things. But the, I think the other part on, on that is that Shiano at this point in time, and there were, another, there were other names. You could have, you know, Norval was out there. Of course, you could always go yeah. back to Lane Kiffin. But Tennessee was in a position where Chip Kelly was the big dog and he was going to UCLA. Dan Mullen was the best available in the SEC, and he was going to Florida. Scott Frost was the hot name regionally, and he's likely going to Nebraska. Tennessee fans and their boosters needed to understand they weren't going to get a oh, well, hot name. But that's just no. it. Tennessee fans don't no. understand, Correct. and and they don't, and so they they're living in a delusional, uh, yeah. you know, state of mind. And the problem yeah. sort to me with this this whole Penn State thing was, which you know. I'm certainly, you know, uh, understanding of, of that situation, anybody connected with that travesty. But for, for me, how much of this, Tim, do you think were people who were saying, I cannot believe we're going to hire Greg Schiano. He's not good enough for this job. It's easier to complain. The only way you're going to get that turned around, you can't go- complain that he's going to be the next head coach just because you don't like well, him. Well, he's not sexy enough. He, he well, no, he no, no. Point. But this gives you, a, this gives you a, something to stand on. Yeah. I'm sure there were people who do believe – that's why they don't want him to be because he was connected in any way, shape, or form. But he wasn't connected. Or, I know, but it, but his but his but his name was mentioned in that in one in one by one comment. Yeah, and so he was linked to it. So this was an easy way to get rid of yeah, him. Yeah, absolutely. But it, to the, where this all started with this with the Clay Travis column, um, for whatever Clay Travis is worth, he cited a bunch of other names, and among the guys, he used the Penn State thing as a jumping off point, and among the other names he cited of guys who were better who were available was Petrino, and I think we all know where I stand on Bobby Petrino in terms of yeah. FX and You'd all You'd like to stand on Bobby yeah. Petrino, so, wouldn't you? But, but what I wanted you to address, and, and I want Tim to, get, to give his point of view too, is, this is have you ever seen a case where fans have taken over an athletic program? No, no, I've never, I've never this seen is, a, This is what's happened, I've right? never seen a hire rescinded because of fan reaction. And, and th- of course, this is just shows you the power of social media too. I mean, th- well, okay, this, we live in different times now. So that, that that's and, that's changed all the rules. But but to allow for defamation of character to take place here. Now I know Greg Schiano probably just wants this to go away go away, fellas. But I don't know that it is. Uh, it, and I've said this many times: if a broadcaster goes after a network and 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 files a lawsuit against them, he probably won't work again either. Uh, you remember that happening with our friend Ron Franklin down in uh, in Austin a few years ago. Right. And I hate I hated it ending that way for Ron. But when you do that, you're not going to work in the business. And frankly, uh, Greg Ciano, to me, with any with any lawyer, any really good lawyer, could could file a defamation of character lawsuit here against Tennessee and win because he's not better. getting another job. That, that you're exactly no, right. No, I, I think in college, I think this is going to hurt him. I don't know what other college job he could possibly get. No, he won't. As, as, a, head coach, as a head coach, I just because now you're guilty before proven innocent. Right. Uh, with with this sort of uh, uh, approach, I mean, you talk about anarchy. That's what we have. Right, and no other and no, no other school is going to no other school is going to stick their necks out like for this either. No, no, exactly. Uh, but by the same token, what good coach would ever go to Tennessee now? Absolutely. You know, this idea, this idea that, that John Gruden was going to be their guy, ridiculous, and fueling that 
that, that that's a lot of this. Is they felt like, well, if we're not getting, if we're not going to get Chip and we're not going to get Scott Frost and we're not going to get, well, then by God, we got to get John Gruden. If we don't get John Gruden, we're going to, you know, march up to the the school with uh, our flags or our <laughs> whatever that you carry uh, when you're a mob trying to take over an athletic department. And that's what they really did the other day. Uh, and they did it more so on the internet than really anywhere else. And the other really sad part of this to me was watching and hearing and the blowback that not only I got, but Bruce Feldman, who broke the story originally on Shiano, got was, I mean, it was just heinous. I mean, it was, uh, how dare you? And this was coming from people who have microphones in front of them doing radio shows. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, fans disguised as radio hosts uh, are part of the problem in our business, too. And, Barry, you know how I feel about that. There's just no room for it. Absolutely no room for it. Uh, and that happened in this case, too. So, not and I don't always disagree with Clay Travis. In this case, I really disagree with him. And I've disagreed with him on many other fronts as well. This is about a fan base that is delusional, that believes that its history is greater than it is. I'm sorry, Philip Fulmer won a national title 20 years ago. And oh, by the way, he had an opportunity to win one in 2001, but Nick Saban in his earliest years at LSU took that away in a SEC championship game and, and beat him. But they ran Philip Fulmer out of the, on a rail. And he was uh, he was Tennessee football, and then they'll say, "Well, we we have a hundred thousand people." And no, you don't. You may sell a hundred thousand tickets, but we saw the empty seats this year, and we see the empty seats anytime you play a non-conference game. Did you see that crowd for the UMass game? I did. Didn't look like a hundred thousand strong to me. So Tennessee, like a lot of programs, and we see this all the time, loses sight of really where they are historically. Do they have great history and tradition? Sure, they do. Are they a program that you consider top ten in terms of jobs you could take and move forward? Absolutely. But if every coach you bring in is going to have a referendum on his job status every week, and that's what they do at Tennessee, who the hell are you going to get to coach there? Who are they going to get, Tim? God only knows. I think maybe uh, Norvell over at Memphis would be. Uh, you know, Mike's done a good job. He worked as an offensive coordinator out in Arizona for a while, became the head coach. Um, after Fuente left, I think he's picked up the reins and done a, a nice job. Although, you know about that whole uh, West and East Tennessee thing, you know. So I don't know if that's going to play well in Knoxville. But he would be one that I would uh, consider the potential of, of maybe taking the job. Any, any coach in a group of five program that's looking to advance or a quality assistant, you know, someone like uh, Dan Mullen when he took the Mississippi State job. You know, coming from an offensive coordinator's position at Florida, that would make some sense. But any accomplished head coach, anyone close to what the Tennessee fan base thought they were going to get, is gone. Forget about it. No one, uh, unless John Gruden suddenly gets mad at John Skipper and decides to leave, they're not going to get what they want at Tennessee. Tim, we're 21 minutes into this podcast. We haven't talked about the biggest story in the state of Texas. Uh, that would be the A&M uh, firing Kevin Sumlin. Now, there's, there's, yep. there's, there seems to be uh, a, a storyline going that the AD and Jimbo Fisher were together at, at your LSU, LSU and, and that, that might have something to do with uh, the, the attraction of Jimbo Fisher to A&M. I think $7.5 million a year yeah, is, I think, the, I think, is the attraction. Yeah, I think that's, that's yeah. it as well. Tim, what, what, what exactly was there uh, 
their linkage at LSU, and do you think he'd be a good coach at uh, A&M? The extent of the relationship with him at LSU, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure of. Uh, I can't speak to that. I do know this: everybody that was anybody at LSU, when they were going through uh, similar misunderstandings of where they were on the college football food chain, when they they were convinced, and clearly Joe Oliva was convinced that they were going to get Jimbo for not only a year but all like a year and a half. That didn't happen. So Jimmy Sexton ran that thing. Uh, and Jimmy Sexton runs most things that takes place in the SEC, and that's why we see such an incestuous um, uh, coaching-searching campaign almost all the time in the SEC. Tell us who Jimmy Sexton uh, is. Jimmy Sexton is uh, the agent, creative artist. He's probably commanding most of, if not all of, the major college programs, particularly all of them in the Southeastern Conference. Trace Armstrong is involved with a few, George Bass, is uh, with a few, as you guys know, he has Gary Patterson, also has Les Miles, but but this is the big dog in terms of of, uh, of really taking care of the cartel of coaching uh, in college football, and he will mix and match as he chooses, and generally speaking, kicks the butt of the athletic directors and their and their management and their lawyers when it comes to doing contracts. Now, Jimmy will get. Uh, from a, you know, he'll say, and others will say, well, he gets five percent. He doesn't even accept that five percent. Uh, basically, he handles the coaches uh, quid pro. He, he he handles them pro bono, and then he says to them, "You just make sure I get your players when they go to the NFL." That's how he makes his money. So, you know, Jimmy Sexton is going to control what happens at Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher, just as he did with uh, with LSU. My guess is that uh, this is the right time for Jimbo. It wasn't a couple of years ago. It wasn't even last year. And, and I do think that ultimately Jimbo will, will come. Here's why. I think that uh, a little bit like the circumstances that uh, are going on at Auburn right now with Malzahn, Gus, even if he wins the SEC title game, if he doesn't win at all, the fan base will be up in arms because, you know, Alabama wins their title. Auburn needs to win it. If they don't, Gus is going to be back on the chopping block, and that's one of the reasons why you know, he's got Arkansas out there as his leverage. So when you take that and you use the leverage at the right time, ultimately Gus and his family will be, wind up happier. It is home, after all. But you can't get the same kind of players at Arkansas that you could get at Auburn. But that could very possibly happen. It could. In, in Jimbo's case, things have happened with him personally that have changed the, the, the structure of his life. Uh, and I think also what's happened in the state of Florida with the emergence of not just uh, Miami having Mark Rick, but now Florida getting Dan Mullen, uh, which is going to, I think, offer a resurgence a little bit for Florida. Uh, you add to that what's gone on at FAU and FIU, Central Florida and South Florida with Charlie Strong. You've got, regardless of how they replace Scott Frost, it's far more competitive now. You can't just say automatically, Florida State's going to rule the roost in recruiting in the Sunshine State because they're not. You know, a lot of people are going in there and getting players outside the state, similar to what happens in Texas. So I think the facilities at Florida State, even though they're really good, are not as good as Texas A&M. Uh, I think that the welcome mat at, at Texas A&M would be much stronger uh, than, than um, anyone would ever anticipate for Jimbo at this stage of his life. Uh, and I think it would propel him back into a position uh, with a program that's 
probably got as much or maybe even more than Alabama in its infrastructure to be successful, I think it's going to be enough to lure him. LSU's problem was its issues about who was really in charge and how long would they remain in charge. That's always a problem in Baton Rouge. I don't think you have the same case at A&M. I think that the, 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 the money the money guys, the donors, are much stronger lot, and if they're fervently behind you, you can count on your situation, regardless of who the AD is, to be a very powerful one. That's, no, that's not always the case in Baton Rouge. So uh, I think ultimately this time Jimbo is going to move. Well, Tim, as usual, you have um, once again been full of wishy-washy opinions and thoughts. <laughs> um, I don't know why. I don't know why we keep having you back on because we'd like for you to take a stand on something once and for all. Um, but uh, we appreciate you joining us. We know you've got some stuff you've got to take care of this morning. Um, thanks for stopping in. And, and hopefully before uh, we get to the championship uh, game, uh, we will get one last round of opinions from you this year. I'd love to do that. It's always good being with you. And as Sherrington says, I'm cheap. <laughs> Tim, so Tim, quick question: Is Jimmy Sexton your agent? No. Oh, I, no, I kind of figured no, that. But, but I could, but I could, I could look into it. <laughs> All right, me take, too. Take care, Tim. Thanks, Tim. Right, Thanks, guys, Tim. You guys do well. Travel take well. Bye. There goes Tim Brando. There one he of goes. Our, one of our favorite guests, and as we said, friend of the podcast. Uh, I would say this about what he, you know, he, he's right about all those things he said about the, the difference. You know, I had people say, well, if he's not going to go to LSU, he wouldn't go to A&M. LSU's a better job. You command that state. You know, you got all that talent, and and that's true. But just for the reasons that he said, uh, it's the, the the politics there are much worse than there. Tony Busby aside, at A&M, it's not nearly as much trouble there as it, as it would be. And as I wrote last week, if Jimbo Fisher goes to a and that's the biggest splash. I know people argued with me about this, about Jackie Sherrill, about you know Dennis Francione. It, they're not as big a splash as Jimbo Fisher. This goes back to Bear Bryant, and those people would receive it that way, and they would be head over heels. Did Francione, did Francione come there from Alabama? From Al- oh yeah, that was. The, but he was about. He was already. He was already not. Well liked at Alabama. Well, he, he oh was, no 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 no! He had a good season in Alabama, and he was and and they mm-hmm. they did like him. It, when he left, th- they were so mad about that. And of course, he left without even telling the players and all that kind of stuff. And it was all bad. Uh, that was that was I was on Paul Feinbaum's show talking about that uh, about the, the re, you know what Franchoni had done there. Right. So that was that was a big and Jackie was a big hire, but mostly because of the money. He Why got, did he did he leave yeah. Alabama for? A and M, A and M for the money. Was it a strict, strict money deal? Uh, no, I think in that deal, I think I think Dennis had, had spent most of his coaching life around Texas and just decided that this was a better place to be, uh, for that matter. Uh, and you know, for what it ended up being for him at A and M, that certainly was no. A, it wouldn't have lasted that long at, at Alabama. Is there anything that could? Uh, I guess the Board of Regents isn't meeting until Thursday. Thursday. So, is there anything that could wreck this deal between now and then? Is there any way that Florida State retains him? Oh, there's no no way because look, here's they're paying five and a quarter now, you know, and they're not going to jump to seven and a half million. Not after what he did last year, getting in the LSU talk. You can only, as Tim said, you can only use that leverage so often before people say, "Screw you." 
you're going to just come right back next year and do the same thing. Right. Plus, you've he had, always got your hand out. Yeah. Plus, he had a disappointing season. You know, they're going to win six games in the regular season. So, what is this? What, what it's the biggest splash for A and M? and that's that's all good and everything, right? What is it? Substantive, substance, substance, substantively do for A and M. Oh, I think in the long term. I, I think you know. I, I think the the big thing here for for the Aggies is part of the splash is the fact that there are only four active coaches who have won national titles, and he's one of them. Only four. You know, to be able to say that you have got that. That's you. Now he's a good recruiter anyway. Right. So that's not an issue. He's a, he's a and obviously he's an offensive mind and a really a really great offensive mind. Look what he's done with the quarterbacks that he's had. You know. So that you know that's that's something that has not translated at A&M under Kevin Sumlin. He was an offensive guy, and it never translated except when he had Johnny. Right. You know, So I think that uh, that those two things would be big. The recruiting would be big. Um, and and I, th- I think he's a better coach than Kevin is, Sumlin. Is, is, it a bigger, is it a splash, bigger splash than the Texas hire last year as well? Oh, much. What did, what did oh, Tom well, Harmon I, I, I understand, but does, does that – does that figure into the into their eagerness to bring them in? Uh, oh, you sure know, they want to have a sure they want to win the bigger name contest. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and they and they win the bigger name contest. But 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 the but the bottom line is that the bigger name comes because he's coaching at an elite school in a Power Five conference, and he's won a national championship. And he's coaching against Nick Saban every year. He's coaching right. against well, not against, not against Nick Saban every year. Well, they play Alabama now. He will now. He yeah, will. yeah, that's what I mean. He's, yeah. If if he's there, he coaches against Nick uh, Saban every year. Is that it's a t- it's a tough place. It, it is a well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is a step. Up because uh, in the ACC, who was your measuring stick? Your measuring stick was Florida State, and it's now become Clemson, Clemson. and, and yeah. Dabo. Um, but but, but, that, but you've got to play. You've got to play both Alabama and Auburn every year. And yeah. And when was the last time they beat LSU? Not no, never. Uh, well, not not under Kevin Sumlin. Right. And that's all true. But it, but I'm sure the way he looks at this, besides the fact that I'm getting two more two million dollars more a year, you know, you can get fired anywhere, no matter what you're making. But if you can make seven and a half million dollars and get fired, that's really good. The last thing I want to say about that is that he knows that Lincoln Riley's a brand new coach at Oklahoma. Tom Herman's a brand new coach at Texas. Those are the two big powers, and and of course TCU, no question about that. Uh, but this is my chance. I'm an established coach, name brand coach. I can come in here and I can take over this state. Can take over the state. All right, we um, we're gonna run. Well, we could talk college football really almost an hour today. We have there's sure. so much to get to, but uh, we are gonna run and talk Cowboys because, well, there's nothing to really talk about there. But we'll we'll, we'll try anyway. Wow. Um, we're gonna have Brad Cham on to talk some Cowboys, and then later on. Uh, Emily Jones McCoy is going to join us to talk Rangers and um, uh, maybe culture of clubhouses as well. Uh, and a, a certain wedding she attended? Yeah, well, that's part of the Rangers. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for listening to our College Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.